right. Welcome to another episode of Lonely Town, a killer's podcast with Derek and Jimmy. We're here with a special interview guest, Dustin Chapman. Are you in Ogden? Is that right? Yep. In Ogden. Absolutely. Ogden, Utah. So I know I know Dustin as Chappie from the internet. I know you from, from Twitter and Reddit uh, and the contribution you post there to the killer's community. I think on Twitter, as far as I can tell, you are the crown prince of Utah killer's fandom. And so I wanted to, I want to get into how that happened or, or how you came to enjoy the killer. So could you just start by telling us about a little bit about your killer's history? How did you come to find out about the killers? Do you remember the first time you heard them? Yeah. I mean, I, I was on board with the killers, you know, day one, before I even knew that the Brandon had any history in Utah and before any of that, like I, I immediately fell in love with hot fuss when it came out circa 2004. I mean, I was, I was early twenties at the time. In fact, we'll see a theme here throughout this, but Brandon and I are the same age. We graduated school the same year, other than him being a rock star and me not, I feel like he's been singing the soundtrack to my life for the last 20 years, you know? And so hot fuss, 100%. I, I fell in love with it moment one and just immediately loved the songs on there. And as time went on, you know, 2006, seven, you kind of hear, Oh, he's from Utah. Oh, he's you know, got some connections there. And, um, you know, and then it just kind of became more and more uh, apparent, I think through probably <laughs> through him and through uh, his choice of religious activity, <laughs> whether, whether, whether it was or wasn't, uh, it seemed like the religion started coming through more in, in, in the, in the music, but early on, I mean, there are religious themes throughout every album through lots of songs, even if they're just little mentions, but there's, you know, uh, yeah, I, I've very much enjoyed them from, from moment one. So at that point, you're, you're into the hot fuss. When do you join uh, Reddit and the, the Twitter communities? When do you get involved that way? Is it right from the get-go or is it a little later down the road? Uh, down the road. I mean, I mean, uh, it was Facebook at the time, right? <laughs> it was just you and your two friends that were on Facebook. I got on Twitter in 2009 and I, I joined Twitter because I, I was like the only soccer fan I knew. And at the time, the local soccer team here, Real Salt Lake, was, was doing very well. And I literally had nobody to talk to about it. Like I'd watch games and I'd watch games and be like, I can't go to work and talk about this tomorrow with anybody. There's nobody to talk about it with. And so I uh, found a, a group on, on Twitter uh, that happened to be talking soccer and enjoyed it. And then just kind of went from there. Um, <laughs> the, I, I am a very loyal person. And so being a fan of the killers has, has become a little bit of a calling card because I, I really like the music. I, there's only one other band I, I've ever quote unquote claimed as mine. And that's, that's Pearl Jam. And that just comes from, from younger years. But the moment I heard the killers, I was like, yep, I'm that's, that's my band right there. So did you uh, attend any of the early shows once hot fuss came out and they came through town? No, I, and I, a lot of it was because I was a young, poor college kid working full time. <laughs> I, I knew about the shows like they played, they played Saltaire, I think twice. Uh, and, and for anybody that's not around here, Saltaire is, I've never been to a concert there. I've heard it's insane, but it's basically out in the middle of the desert, kind of on the way to between Salt Lake and, and Tooele on the, on the, the, the South end of the great Salt Lake. And it, it, it used to be in its heyday. It was a big, uh, it was a swimming place, a swimming hole it was a swimming pool. And, it burned down and was rebuilt and was turned into a concert venue. So I know they played 
salt air a couple of times. If I remember 2004 and I think 2007, when they came here, they played those. And I, I wished I had gone to them now, but at the time I was, I was just a poor college kid working full time and going to school full time. So I know you've seen them since. Which of their concerts have you been to? I was thinking about this today. I, uh, I, I saw them at uh, the Utah UCCU Center, McKay Event Center in, at, on the campus of Utah Valley University. I saw them, that was, I believe, 2010. And then um, the Vivint Smart Home Arena for Wonderful, Wonderful, which was their last one. Uh, and then even before that, so even go, go back before Battleborn, uh, I did see them in 2008, I believe, at the East Center when it was the Day and Age Tour. And then also, like, likewise, have seen, saw, got to see Brandon Flowers in concert at the Complex in Salt Lake City uh, with, uh, yeah, that was 2015, I believe. And that one, that one, that was a fun one too, because I, uh, through my escapades on Twitter, I, I've become friends with who at the time was our Lieutenant governor. Now he's our governor. And he and I have gone back and forth for years about the killers. And I, that concert, he, he, that night with the, uh, with Brandon Flowers, he, he, sent me a message on Twitter months before. And he's like, Hey, did you get tickets to the Brandon Flowers concert? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right, we'll, we'll plan it. You'll meet my wife and I, and we'll go to dinner. Awesome. Oh, that's cool. Hey, so, so we got to, we got to hang out and go to a concert that night. Yeah. We've heard a lot about that concert in particular as uh, just a more intimate show. I think. I'm Absolutely. They've all been fun. Um, the one thing that has stood out is that I, I haven't got to meet Brandon yet. And that's really <laughs> that, that'll be the that'll be the one thing like i i am not a big on quote-unquote fame i'm not one of those people who who relishes fame i guess who you know they're to me they're just people but there, there are like three there's a list of like three famous people that i would ever care to meet <laughs> and and brand brandon's on that list so who knows one of these days i one of these days i'll i'll actually get to meet him and i don't want to meet him to see i want to meet him just to say hey man thanks for Thanks for making a lot of music that I enjoy. Yeah, I mean the lieutenant governor is not bad backup, but he's no Brandon Flowers, I guess. Aspect, right? Jeff, I, I got to figure out how to how to make that one happen. I mean, he, I'm sh I'm sure that Governor Cox has already met him, and in fact, at that show in 2015, I think he tried to get us backstage, and it, and it we didn't get back, and so. So, are you going yeah. to this up, upcoming show? Yes. Yes. I got front row seats for that. <laughs> so, oh, and I kept looking, I'm like, is there, is there a package here that there's a meet and greet before the show? And I couldn't find it. So who knows? Hopefully that'll happen, but all the concerts have been good. I, I am impressed by how much they've always been a show. Brandon absolutely loves a Vegas style show and it shows in the concert at, you know, the, uh, the, I believe it was Battleborn. Uh, Battleborn was awesome because at the end of the concert, they, they, they shot off some cannons um, that had confetti, little lightning bolt, little, little killer's lightning bolts. And I, I grabbed a couple of those off the floor to put those home, but I, it was cool. Like that was the last song. And, you know, it was everything that a Vegas show should be. It was loud and there was, you know, fire and fireworks and everything. All of a sudden there's a cannon that goes off and there's confetti everywhere. And it, they were, it was awesome. It, it was everything that you would want a show to be. But what's impressed me over the years is, Brandon's always liked a show, but he's, he's clearly his voice has improved and his voice has improved to the point where 
you know, it, it definitely shows live. You mentioned a little bit about finding out, you know, we had Utah connections. Do you remember specific examples of, of finding out about that? And from what I understand, you've, you've, uh, before pressure machine came out where a lot more emphasis has been placed on Nephi, I understand you have been to Nephi a couple of times to, to try to get a sense of where he grew up. Can you talk about those things? Yeah, 100%. You, you hear about people that are, you know, LDS, they're members of, of, of the church and uh, that become famous. There's been a few over the years that have done that. And it seems like a lot of them don't make it through fame with their religion. <laughs> I guess the best way to say it. You always kind of wonder. And, and I, don't, I don't wonder to judge them. I'm not wondering to, 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 you know, hey, are they doing the right thing? I mean, especially as I've grown older, I mean, people are people and they do what they want to do and they find their own path in life. But I've just always been fascinated by somebody that can be a member of our church, which is a very my church, which is a very challenging religion, frankly, it's a, it is not an easy religion to live and also be famous. And as I discovered that Brandon Flowers had connections to Nephi and to Utah and, and to the LDS church, you know, I, there was a couple of sites out there, the Killers News specifically, would always take the magazine interviews and the paper interviews that were almost always in England because they apparently love the Killers a lot more in England. <laughs> and, uh, and they would you know, post screenshots of it and post pictures of it. And, and I would read a lot and just was curious, like, is this guy really from Utah? Does he really have uh, connections to the LDS church? And you definitely notice the tone changing over the years, kind of the, the late Sam's town years into, you know, sawdust and really sawdust was, was more B sides, but into day and age, like there was a, a definite shift in tone from the inevitable questions that would kind of come up from, Oh, you're from Utah. <laughs> you were born and raised in Utah. Well, are you Mormon? I mean, that I, what every interview in the world would ask that question. And the, the tone of the answers definitely changed over, over the years. So when you came down to Nephi originally, what were some of the things that you, uh, what, what did you go to see? What, I mean, did you just drive around or did you <laughs> things you were after? So, uh, so I have family that lives in, in Southern Utah, St. George, and been there for quite a while. My, my parents have since, uh, since moved down there, my mom and my stepdad. And I have, uh, I've driven to, you know, I went to school in St. George even for a time uh, before I went on a, on a, on a church mission. Uh, so driving that stretch from Northern Utah, Ogden area to, to St. George, that's been, that's been a pretty constant thing in my, <laughs> very, very frequently done. The company I, currently work for is based out of St. George. So a lot of connections to me to Southern Utah and, you know, you drive through Nephi, you know, both, both ways on the trip, that's driving on I-15, you're going to drive through. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it only seems like it's in recent years that it's, you know, there's any, anybody that knows anything about it. I know the you guys have mentioned on the show, the, the, the banner at the taco time, you know, <laughs> and, you know, none of that was there 10, 15, 20 years ago. I, my wife and I, before this, were actually recounting this so that, so that we could get it right. But, you know, Nephi was always a good stopping place for us just because, you know, even when we had young kids, it was a, it was a good place to, to stop and, and, you know, get kids out, get energy out, do whatever as we had little kids. And so, yeah, we would always do that. 10 years or so ago, we were coming home from Southern Utah on a Sunday and we, we stopped and we had been kind of chatting about the killers on the drive up and, and we found a, uh, well, we went to the playground at the elementary schools where we went <laughs> and let my, let my little daughter run around at the time. And, 
you know, she's now almost 15 and I, you know, I think she was four or five at the time. So she was, she was young. And uh, so we just kind of started playing around. And then I was like, we, I know he's from Nephi. Like, I, I, I don't know a ton about the family. There wasn't a ton out there about the family at that time. But, you know, we started driving around town and kind of stopped at the cemetery. And I think my wife just wanted to see if there was like any family history there, which there wasn't because we know now there's not a ton. The family was not the not pioneer descendants of people in Nephi. But uh, my wife got out, walked around the cemetery. And then like you do in a small town, she just found people on the street and started asking them about <laughs> about the lead singer of the killers and if they'd ever heard of him. And uh, I think the first couple of people she she chatted with were like, no, oh, no. And then they would, you know, grab somebody else and, and Hey, do you know that person? And, you know, and eventually somebody knew, right. <laughs> which, which I, I imagine is how it has to go in a town like Nephi. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've always, you know, I, I always make a choice to stop at the taco time if I'm stopping driving through and, and need a bite to eat. Yeah, I think that taco time owes uh, uh, probably a great deal of, uh, I don't know, gratitude, if not just the fact that it's still in business to Brandon. That's, that's 100%. Like he, they should be, he should be getting a cut of the receipts. 100%. He gets some like, sort of royalty or something for, for a teenage kid that had a, a job there. I think he's uh, paid de- dividends for, for hired. I think that was a wise move. Well, and, and, it, and it's, you know, it's not like there's, there's not a ton of other places to go, especially off that, off that exit. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, it's a real easy off and on the exit there. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been interesting. And, uh, you know, that's why I was just asking because uh, after pressure machine and things, there's been a lot more there. So I was kind of wondering before uh, what the highlights or spots you'd stop at were. So that was, that was kind of interesting to hear. Yeah. We, we were doing it before, before pressure machine ever, ever was, was even a, a twinkling in the eye brand. And I imagine, but, <laughs> but, but what's been fun for me is since then, you know, like as somebody, so I was raised in, I was raised in the Ogden area in Northern Utah, which is about 35 miles North of Salt Lake, but I, I wasn't raised in Ogden. I was raised in a, a suburb of Ogden called Harrisville, um, just outside of Ogden. It is not a big town is the name would denote Harrisville. Um, but I, I grew up and went to school. We all went to school with the kids out in the country you know, uh, in, in Plain City. I mean, as you can imagine, a city that's called Plain City, it's, it's, it's that. <laughs> and uh, as previous, as, a, as another, as fate would have it, another prior guest that you guys have had, Todd Newcomb, you know, he grew up in, in Hooper. It, it's all kind of the same area. It's, it's Western Weber County. And it's, for lack of a better way of saying, it's 10 minutes from the city, but it's country. I mean, it's, it, it's country and it's small town out there. And, a lot of farms and 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 so those were the kids I grew up with. Those were the kids whose house I was I was hanging out with. And so in listening to Pressure Machine, a lot of the themes resonated, resonated very clearly, even though you know they weren't necessarily from my small town, they were from a small town, and a lot of the same things hold true. And I think that's the case. I mean, I Brandon seems to have always been very good at writing songs that had a theme, but they weren't overt, you know, like. To me, I, I listen to Pressure Machine and I hear, I hear an ode to rural, to all of rural America. You know, it, it's to me the themes in Pressure Machine, uh, although they are about Nephi, which is awesome, and it, it gives even more context when you drive through it because now I know that the hills and those the mountains over there on the other side of the freeway are the West Hills, and okay. and the can you know it all has a name like it, it's all been formalized for me. But the the themes of of small town America. Um, 
to me very much resonate with anybody that's ever you know been or grown up or has anything to do with a small town yeah i think when the album first came out and we can get back into it at some point but i saw a lot of people i don't know if it was reddit or online were saying i'm having a hard time connecting to this one and i thought for years uh people like us that grew up in the smaller areas have had to uh get familiar with urban areas or these bigger towns or, or connections so I thought good for Brandon and making uh, <laughs> them a little uncomfortable having to, to learn about our culture. Not so much. I don't know. I don't know that even that was a thought in his head, but just when I saw that people saying I'm, I'm having a hard time connecting to this album or whatever, I thought, well, that, that's probably a good thing. And and the more people I talked to from the Midwest or, or smaller towns across the country had that same thing that you said of like, this is where I grew up. I can connect to this. So it was kind of fun to have that experience. Absolutely. When I, I mean, it's, Look, we did, we didn't all grow up in New York City or LA, you know. <laughs> uh, more part of the people are are in the flyover states. We have there's a lot of us, and you know, I, I know a lot of the comparisons have been drawn to Bruce Springsteen's was it Nebraska? That's the album, you know. Um, I I kind of liken a little bit of it to, to like Billy Joel, some of Billy Joel's stuff, where some of them were about New York and Jersey, but it was always about just working class America. I, I that, that's a theme to me that resonates and. And beyond just being a theme that I think resonates with people in the U.S., I think that it 100% resonates with people in the U.K., not for the sense of, hey, they grew up in small town America, but because uh, because it's Americana. I mean, that is, you know, when you when you start talking about what Americana is, it's it's that it's, you know, Fourth of July and apple pies and, you know, baseball and picnics in the town square. Crispy bean burritos. Crispy bean burritos at the taco time, like that, that is 100% it. Well, I also think it connects with like that, uh, that working class or that blue collar. Uh, I think that's relatable, even, you know, no matter where you're at, there, there's factory work and, and the people that get up, you know, at the crack of dawn, like we've learned and, and go tell they can't go anymore. And I think that's a universal term or, you know, something people can relate with anyways. And uh, I think Brandon uh, growing up saw that with his father. And I think he has that same work ethic. Uh, as we've seen during COVID, when most people were resting or not doing anything. He's almost going stir crazy and's put out, you know, coming up on three albums and, and <laughs> it's crazy. One of the interviews I saw years ago, I can't remember if it was after, if it was around Flamingo or if it was around the desired effect, but they asked the interviewer said, Hey, you know, why are you doing this? Like, why aren't you, why are you releasing solo albums instead of, you know, taking a break here while the rest of the band wants to take a break. And, and his answer very curtly was like, my dad didn't get a break. You know, I, he, he went to work every day. Like he got up and went to work every day and that's what I'm going to do, you know, and it, and very much connects back to, to just working class America. And when I mentioned earlier that I always thought that Brandon was kind of singing the soundtrack to my life. I mean, that's what it is. I, I came from a, from, you know, small town, from a, a working class family. My dad worked in construction, mom worked in, in retail and uh, knowing how to work, like there, there's a thing to that. Like there's absolutely a, a, a thing to knowing what hard work is and, and how to do it and to not be, not be afraid of it. And, and again, I think that is something that is, is a theme that anybody that has anything to do with rural America can, can identify with because, listen, living, living in rural America and, you know, working on a farm or working on a ranch, you know, which is a lot of what we get here in Utah. 
Like that's, that is not easy work. That is not easy work in any way, shape or form. One of the things that I think you've been able to do online on Reddit and, and other places is contribute to the, the killers community, uh, some explanations and understanding of some of the religious connotations in the lyrics. What, what are some examples of, I guess, earlier killers work that resonated with you on a spiritual level? Yeah, it's absolutely been a, been a thing. <laughs> it's, it's interesting to, I like, like you guys, you know, where, where pressure machine really, I think probably confirmed a lot of what, you know, the nuances that you guys had always heard in songs from, from every album, you know, where it was like, Oh, okay. He really is talking about Nephi, you know, he really is talking about Payson or Nephi or Utah, you know, pressure machine, I think really did that for, 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 for folks, you know, in your shoes. Um, to me, I think imploding the mirage did that for a lot of the lot of people that are religious. And I always wondered <laughs> what his thoughts on religion were, because I mean, imploding the mirage was, that thing's an outright like rock hymnal. Like that is a rock hymn book is what that is. There's so much religion intertwined in it. Uh, and I remember hearing it for the first time and just being like, wow, this is like, this is mainstream music here. And like, he is, he is singing to like, there is, there are messages here that are very, very specific to, <laughs> to, to the LDS faith, but it has always been there. I mean, you know, th there were, there were always moments like, you know, early on with hot fuss. I mean, all these things that I've done is, is it's a very religious song. It, it is, you know, 100% about sin and wondering if, if there's room for you, you know, <laughs> is there room for one more son? Uh, you know, that, that is, that is very much a, a song about sin and coming to grips with that, you know, um, smile like you mean it, although it's, it's probably less of a religious theme, lyrical song, you know, um, I think there's a lot of that that happens in Utah, you know, to, you know, smile, even if you really don't want to maybe be happy, if you really don't want to be bright, if you really want to, I mean, I, so there, there's themes there, but, you know, there were always, just little notes in, in albums. It obviously wasn't every song and it was not maybe as overt as I think imploding the mirage was, but you know, there were songs on Sam's town, you know, um, when you were young has a little bit of religious to it, religion to it. Um, bling confessions of a King. I mean, you know, when I offer you survival, you say it's hard enough to live. It's not so bad. I mean, again, to me, that's a lot of like acceptance and, and, and there's, there's religion in there. Uh, why do I keep counting? Nobody ever talks about that song. I mean, that, that's a prayer. Like that song is basically a prayer of like, please don't let me die on this plane. <laughs> <type> prayer. <laughs> so, so, so they're there, you know, it, it, it's always been there. And I, I remember for me circa 2010, uh, I remember watching uh, the, it was Flamingo and, you know, we released the video for, uh, for only the young. Right. And there's a scene in that and the song, I wouldn't call it a religious song lyrically but if you video like you know, there's a moment where he's on his knees looking up a light and puts his hand in the air i you know as a as a fan and as somebody that's religious i was like man that looks like something else i've seen what is that what is that <laughs> and after watching a few times i was like I, you know and you're like that's not accidental it's not accidental what i what, what he's doing right now like that's in the that's in the music video and i mean i literally went and grabbed my missionary flip chart and, and for those <laughs> for those not of of the lds faith 
you know, a lot of us at age 19, 18 now, we go out onto your missions and we, we go out and, and talk to people about, about our church and about God and how he can help them. Um, and we tell them the story of Joseph Smith as, as the very first, at the time, the first discussion that you had was about Joseph Smith and that he went into a forest and, and, and he prayed and he saw God and Jesus. And we have, you know, these little, little flip chart that they give you. And, you know, like the very first picture is a picture of, of Joseph Smith sitting there with a column of light coming down on him and his hand up in the air and, and him, you know, seeing God and Jesus, you don't see God and Jesus in the picture, but there's, there's a light there. And I, I, I literally went and found it and like compared it to the video on the screen. I was like, like that, that's not, that's not an accident. Like there's no, like, there's no way you do that. And, you know, not think that that's what it is, but you're never going to know because he's not going to say that that's what's happening. And nobody's ever said that that's what's happening, but it 1000% looks like, <laughs> like, like a, an exact replica of, you know, of, of the Joseph Smith uh, view, uh, the Joseph Smith picture from, from the flip book that missionaries used to use. <laughs> In that song, he says, mother, it's cold here. Father, thy will be done. There's clear, clear religious implications there. Yes. And, and so it's always made it kind of fun. And, you know, over the years there would, there would just be, you know, little things like that, that you're like, man, there, there's, like I said, like, like to you guys where being from Nephi, where there's always been, you know, little references to, to track street and to, to things like that, that all had to do with, with that area. Uh, and you're always like, is that really what they're talking about? You know, the Gravitron and the car, you know, is all of that, like really what he's talking about. And then now pressure machine comes out. It's like, yep, that's exactly what he's talking about. That confirms every suspicion I always have. And that, that's exactly what imploding the mirage did for me. It was like, Oh, dang, there's, there's a lot of religion in that. And it's one of those, if you know, you know, it's kind of, you're, you're in almost on an inside, it's not, not a secret or anything, but it's just kind of a, something that you get the reference to that other people just hear lyrics and, and go about their day. But uh, you, you've shared some of this on the online community. Um, how's that been received? Uh, traditionally, Europe's not as religious as, as America. I know that's probably a pretty big generalization. There's probably people a lot more religious in Europe than America and vice versa. But uh, right now, the culture, it's not cool to come out with Christian rock songs necessarily, but somehow the killers have, have weaved Mormonism through their records and it hasn't really offended anyone or, or ruined their reputation. Well, I think it's because the way that the songs are written are are general enough to where, which is good to me, in my opinion, that it's good that they're general enough to where they're just about good stuff, which is which ultimately is what the basis of religion is, is about good stuff, you know? And, and so the lyrics have been written um, in a way that can just feel like that can feel like something that the a general theme of just redemption and overcoming things. And that's like, that's good. That is all really good. But, you know, like you were mentioning, if it's, it's kind of an, if you know, you know, it's like, there's an extra layer underneath it <laughs> to where if you, if you understand what's really being said in a lot of the songs or what, what, what some of the references are, it has a whole new, a whole new connotation, you know, a good example for me from imploding the mirage. I mean, well, there's two of them. I mean, the, the cover art of imploding mirage, like that is, that is very much a, a religion, not, not just a religious theme piece of art. And I know that it's not a, a, a an LDS work of art, but 
the idea of having, you know, two beings in heaven, a heavenly father and a heavenly mother, you know, looking down on, on the world, like that is a, I would say almost a very specific belief <laughs> to, to the LDS church that that, 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 that would even be a thing. And so like, again, not accidental. Like I don't, I don't see that any of that as being a coincidence that, that, it, that it reads that way. You know, my own soul's warning, the whole theme of it, of just trying to go against what you, you feel in your heart, your soul is right. And not being able to do it again, that's a, that's a very, it's a general context, but it's a very religious thing, you know, and and even the lyric there that says, if you could see through the banner of the sun into eternity's eyes, like a vision reaching down from me, would you turn away? What if it knew you by your, what if it knew you by your name? What kind of words would cut through the clutter of the whirlwind of these days? I mean, you read that and you think there's, there's good there. You know, uh, somebody who is, who, who is of the LDS faith could look at that and see like, okay, there's about two or three references to LDS temples in that one verse, <laughs> you know, there's, there, there's things there that that are just again don't feel like they're they're coincidental um and even the music video for that song the music video for that song if you know uh and to me this song is all about recommitment to something you know the music video starts out and he's looking in a window and he's wearing cowboy clothes and he's trying you know then he tries to walk away and then ronnie comes and grabs him in a truck i don't know why ronnie's there grabbing a truck but that's okay and you know the last verse of the song you know, he's not in his cowboy clothes anymore. And he's, he's, in, he's all of a sudden in a white suit, you know, a white, it's a white cowboy suit. And again, there's, there's references to, to religion in that, that only people of the LDS faith would, would really get and understand. One of the things I like about the killers subreddit community is there's a lot of diehard want to know every detail personalities in there. And so you know, when you see an additional layer to a song that maybe most people won't see, to be able to explain that uh, for people, I think uh, that's a great venue for uh, for sharing that where people just gobble that kind of stuff up. Have you, have you seen that kind of response from when you post things like that? Absolutely. People have always been on that community, especially have always been really good about it. I, and I think it is because they they genuinely want to know they're really fans and they they, they want to know the meanings of things. I think a lot of people think Reddit is just a cesspool of negativity and i'm sure it can be <laughs> but it's certain corners it doesn't have to have to be in what i found is when you generally when you talk to people respectfully they they're they're respectful back um but it is fun i mean there was a conversation just recently over there where somebody was asking about about zion you know and uh, and the reference to that in you know in west hills and and again there, there's just there's there's some more religious context to that the it's not a city. And that was kind of what the person was ascertaining. Like, is that, that's a city in Utah. And I'm like, mm, it's, it's not, <laughs> that's not what he's talking. <laughs> that's not what he's talking about. It is, it is a place. It is a national park, but what he's, what he's talking about there is, is a, a the general idea of, of a Zion or a gathering place for, for, for God's people. That is, but, but that's, that's stuff that you don't, when I mentioned that extra layer to things, those are things that you don't understand if, if, if you're not a part of it, but, you know, so I, I was able to say, yeah, I mean, that was when, when Joseph Smith started the church, they were always promised a, a gathering place and that place became a Zion. And there were three or four different iterations of it before they, before they got to Utah and, and had kind of their gathering place. And so there's, when, when you're referencing Zion, that, that that's, it's, it's more of an idea, an idea of a, of a, of a gathering place for God's people rather than a physical 
city, you know, and, and of course, as the LDS church has grown, you know, the, the meaning of Zion has changed to be wherever saints are, but there's a little bit of a thought that Utah is, is the base <laughs> and, and that it's still kind of the central Zion, but it's really not, you know, and so there's just little things like that, that it is fun to explain to people. One interesting connection, I think, with um, the deluxe version of Pressure Machine that came out last week was West Hills version three. Uh, yeah, that was something else right there. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that one? I loved it. I, I, and I love, as a whole, I love Pressure Machine because if Imploding the Mirage is, 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 is a rock hymn book, like Pressure Machine is, is reality. You know, if, if Imploding the Mirage is probably like the idealism of everything and, and Pressure Machine is the reality of it. Like to me, I love Pressure Machine even more because it, nothing presented is perfect ever. <laughs> and I love that, you know, and, and, and that, that part of it is absolutely wonderful. But yeah, I, I did see that, you know, caught when before the album, that before the, the deluxe version came out, that there was going to be a, a version of West Hills sung to, uh, again, a very specific LDS song that, that I, I was like, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> Can't believe that, that they're going to do that. And, and they did. And it was cool. I mean, it's the hymn that they referenced there is, is it's called, if you could eye to collab and it is the most, most LDS hymn in the, in the world, honestly, because the references in that are, uh, that is deep, deep stuff. That is deep doctrine. <laughs> right. But, but it's also beautiful. It's, it's my favorite hymn. It has been for, for 20 years. Like when you hear the tabernacle choir sing that song and the way they sing it, I mean, it is, it is loud and it's eternal in theme and it's, it's beautiful. And, uh, and so when I heard that, I was like, I, I honestly didn't know how they were going to do it, but the fact that it was, the fact that it was essentially a, a ward choir sounding group, right? Like it sounded like it was just 20 people that they plucked right out of your ward choir, you know, with, with your congregational choir for, for people who, who, who don't really have, I mean, it, it, it's not perfect. It, the people are not on tone and on pitch. They're not, but, but that's what makes it beautiful. It is just a group of 20 some odd people that like to sing coming out and, and singing a song. And it just happens to be, happens to be that. I think it definitely, uh, if it was going to be the first track and I, I don't know if it was, I don't know Brandon's motivation, if it was really something they were going to put there, if they were experimenting or what, but it definitely gives you the feel of, of Utah, of the culture they're trying to portray. And, uh, the area. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. That's about as Utah as it can get right there. So mm -hmm. small congregational choirs are everywhere, <laughs> everywhere in Utah, whether the voices are good or not, like they are there and they're excited about it. The thing that was interesting to me about that is in lightning fields on employing the Mirage, there's the lyrics, there's no end to love. There's no end to truth. There's no end to me. There's no end to you, which for me, like you said, it's a direct um, connection to if you could hide a collab where there, there are similar lyrics. And so when I found out that this West Hills three was, was based on that song as well, I thought that was interesting. I wonder what Brandon's connection is to that song or what, how it's played into his life. So. Yeah. I remember when that came out. I mean, when I first listened to imploding the Mirage, like I remember like telling my wife, I'm like, you gotta listen to this. <laughs> like there's, <laughs> there, there's a lot to the, what, what's going on here. And, I mean, I remember 
very specifically picking out that lyric in lightning fields of being like kind of the same thing as like that's not a mistake <laughs> like somebody did that intentionally that 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 does not happen on coincidence so was your wife a big killers fan was that something that you guys had in common or is this something you've converted her to or did she convert you uh, how'd that all play out because i know if i was trying to show my wife or tell her all these things she'd say that's nice and uh, run along to the whatever yeah so um so my wife has varying music tastes she likes she likes everything from Josh Groban to corn, you know, and she's seen, <laughs> she, she is a definitely a concert defile. Like she loves going to concerts, especially at her younger days. And so, yeah, we were, we were married before the killers came out before they became a thing. So we've kind of become fans together of the band and gone to all the concerts. And, you know, likewise, I've, you know, gone to the many Josh Groban concerts with her. And that's kind of the compromise you have in marriage and you learn to enjoy it. But we both very much enjoy, uh, enjoy the band and, and, you know, enjoy that type of music and, and just being fans of them. I probably bowled her over a little bit and was, you know, always in your face about how awesome this band was, (laughs) but, but yes, yeah, we, we, we both very much love the band. One of the things that I mentioned on our very first episode, I believe, was one of the goals I had for this podcast was to to get the governor of Utah to listen at least once because I know he's a Killers fan. He's from a small town in central Utah too, just just next to Juab County is San Pete County where he's from. And he's even got his own cover band that he does with his brother and I think some other friends. So one of the things that I, I've noticed online is that on Twitter, you've interacted with him quite a bit. Can you tell us about how did you become Twitter friends with the governor? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it really did start as like just random interactions online, you know, and when you're the Lieutenant governor, nobody, for lack of a better way of saying, people know who you are, but they don't, they don't really know who you are. I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't care to know who you are, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're the you're Lieutenant governor, you know, and back in the early days of Twitter, he was always pretty active on there. And, and like a lot of people in the early days of Twitter, you know, they, they were, they were, they responded a lot, you know, you could respond to a lot more, a lot more people. And so he and I just always had really good conversations over the years about, you know, about TV. You know, I, he's a big Arrested Development fan, you know, and about, and about the killers and, and sports, you know, like just, what what the things you talk to people about and then it yeah it, it started to to become a little bit more of a friendship you know that the, the concert i mentioned where he hit me up he's like hey we're you, you know are we're going to dinner with our wives before that show meet, meet us here we're have, we're gonna have a good night and and we, you know we've since gone to lunch you know a, a few more times got together and when he's up this way you know he, he tends to say hi and it's great he's he's a he's 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 good he the interactions online now are a little less overt or less frequent because there's there's definitely more eyes on him, <laughs> I've noticed. And you know, I, I've I remember you know leading when he was campaigning. You know, I I remember very specifically like Saturday morning. We're just kind of having a back and forth conversation about something, and you know, because it's on Twitter, it's not like it's there's one person watching. And you know, there are a couple of people jumped in and they're like went all political. I, <laughs> I've, 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 I've tweeted at you 17 times about, you know, this and this issue and you haven't responded once. And this guy here is asking you about, <laughs> you know, what you think of the jazz's next game and you're, you immediately <laughs> respond. You know, I, so I, at that point I was like, yeah, game's changed a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little, little different, little different, uh, little different spotlight when, 
when you're when you're the actual governor. So have you had uh, I guess you've talked to him about the killers. Do you have any uh, insights or stories or anything you can share about things that he's told you about the killers or Brandon or, or anything like that? We have not talked about the killers as much, you know, since then. I the last concert of Vivint Smart Home Arena, I I met him there and chatted with him for a few minutes and also with him was a gentleman named Steve Starks, who is, who used to be the president of the jazz and is now the president of, I guess you'd call it the, well, not anymore, but it used to be the holding company for the jazz that owned all the dealerships that Larry H. Miller, the former owner of the jazz held and the movie theaters and everything. Uh, he also happens to be an Ogden guy. <laughs> so, uh, so we all had a good conversation and it was, you know, I, me as the random guy from Twitter was definitely the odd man out in the group, but it was, but it was fun to be there. And and other than that, just the time that we didn't get backstage when we went to see them at the complex, I'm, I'm sure he has since has since met the killers or Brandon and I'm jealous and and waiting for the day where he pulls me in on one of those. I, I I was fully expecting when he won, when he, when he became the governor of Utah and won the election, you know, we couldn't, they couldn't really do an inauguration, but I mean, I had joked with him for years. I'm like, look, your inauguration ball, like the killers have to perform. And like, I, I fully expect to be there for that <laughs> just <laughs> as your friend, but also because like, I want to be there for that. And that's exactly how that should go down. And, you know, pandemic kind of, kind of took the, the wind out of that, those sales, but who knows, maybe one day that'll happen. Maybe they can uh, make it like a Brandon Flowers day in the state or something and uh, bring that percentage. So- you can happen to be there. He, he, and I believe the governor did, he did declare Brandon Flowers Day in Utah. I think it was the day of the last concert or somewhere around there. And, and he did give him a plaque. So uh, it's fun to me to see the, the different social media platforms and how, you know, the specialties or what, what's unique about them. And, you know, like we mentioned on Reddit, it's kind of a place where you go uh, search for information by topic. And on Twitter, I think that happens sometimes where you, you connect with people that, that are interested in the same topic or sports team or whatever as you, but it quickly uh, seems to be more uh, becomes more personal. You, you start following people that have similar interests. You don't have all the same interests, but you know, you just follow each other's lives. And when, when someone uh, from Utah on Twitter sees something about the killers, they'll tag you because they know you're a killers fan. And you know, you've where on Reddit that doesn't happen so much because when, <laughs> yeah, I'm silos. So definitely more anonymous on Reddit. I, uh, I, yeah, I, and that's that's on purpose because I, I don't need more time online in my life. <laughs> <laughs> need need less, but yeah, Twitter definitely you get kind of a circle of people. It's been interesting to watch it evolve over the years. You you have a circle of people that you identify with on you know a, a specific topic. Uh, like BYU football, for example, or Utah football. And, and there's always just crossover into different facets of life. And all of a sudden you have just a, a circle of people that, you know, you know, that, that all live in the state or around the state and have similar interests that you do. And it's always interesting to see it's, it's a, it's a, it's an eclectic group. All right. Well, let's plug your social media, your, your podcast, where, where can people find you if they want to find uh, Chappie? And I, I want to ask you about these Chappie Awards. Now, I don't know much about them, but is there any way it's going to be a Best Killers podcast based out of Southern or Central Utah award this year? If there were Chappie Awards, yes, you will, you guys would be a shoe-in for that awards. Yeah, I, so, you know, uh, 2012-ish, I don't know how, I was spending way too much time on Twitter and decided to just do like an award show. You know, like, hey, these are the best people on my timeline. And 
you know, it was all made up and it, it, it was kind of a funny, funny, ha ha thing. Um, but then like it, and I think the second year, I think the first year there was like an article written about it in, in one of the local papers, which I was like, okay, well, and, and then the second year, you know, some of the media personalities around the state, uh, got involved in like one specific Rick Aaron who works for local, local ABC station. Now, you know, he started making jokes about it and offered to host it, you know, which how do you host something on Twitter? I don't know, but that was, that was always kind of the joke. And so a bunch more people started to get into it and it became, it became fun there for, for a couple of years. And it became a fun thing that we would do. And then like anything else on the internet, it gets ruined by mean people. And so (laughs) after after about three or four years of that, it went away because I didn't, I didn't need mean stuff in my life. And uh, who knows, maybe one day it'll come back. It, it was, it was, it was just a very fake random award show. And I, I always played it up as just a completely fake random thing, but people had fun with it. People had a lot of fun with it. And, you know, it, I mean, it, you know, it's always funny to say it, you trended on Twitter. I don't know. I mean, who knows if you really did, but it was there in the trending topics for a couple, a couple of years. <laughs> That's cool. So if anyone wants to get a hold of you or find you or, or listen to podcasts, where can they do all this? Yeah, I am. I'm on Twitter at it's Chappie, I-T-S, Chappie, C-H-A-P-P-Y. Um, yeah, follow me there. I'm on there occasionally less these days just because uh, I'm I, I work for a tech startup and life is busy. <laughs> it's, it's way busy. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there. I do. I do. A, I do a podcast on my own. Uh, it's Ogden specific. It's called Weber state weekly, um, you know, dedicated to Weber state sports because somebody has to support Weber state. And, uh, you know, I guess that gets to be me since that's where I got my degree from <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's good for Ogden. So I, I do that, but, uh, yeah, I'm happy to interact with anybody and, and chat with you about the killers. I'm very much, you know, I, I, like you mentioned on, on Twitter, I'm, I guess I very much have the reputation of being the, the ultimate killers fan and <laughs> I'll, I'll, I own it. I am happy to, to be that. There's no part of me that, that is not happy about that. So about on Reddit, on Reddit, I don't even know what my username is on Reddit. <laughs> Need to look that up. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's Chappie UT for Utah because somebody else apparently already had it's Chappie on Reddit. I guess one other place people can find you is on the front row of the next Salt Lake killers concert. I'll be there. Yeah. I very, very specifically am on the front row off of the floor. Look for the, the big tall blonde guy. Come say hi to me. All right. Thanks for joining us. As we always end, that's another episode down from Lonely Town. <laughs>